Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Amen. Amongst all the news stories recently about pandemics and lockdowns and furlough and R numbers and the economy, something else has been quietly going on. Church has been changing. In some obvious ways, those of us who have been around for a long time have had to get used to new ways of being together, like tuning into YouTube or gathering on Zoom. And those changes have their good and bad. Some might be missing the physical connection of gathering together. Others might quite enjoy not having to rush to get ready for a particular time or being able to watch parts of the service at times that suit our schedules. Dare I say it, you might even like popping into the kitchen to make a coffee if you think I'm going on a bit. But that's not really the change I'm talking about. Something else has been bubbling quietly under the surface. Analysis of the terms uh, typed into the search engine Google in 75 countries has found that the number of people seeking information on prayer has skyrocketed in recent months. A survey by Tear Fund has estimated that 3 million new people have turned to prayer in the UK alone since lockdown began. The online bookstore Eden reported a 55% increase in Bible sales in the month of April. Prior to the start of the pandemic, around 5-7% to 7 of the UK population attended a church at least once a month. Over the last two, three months, with the rise of online services, that's risen to around 25%. Many have never attended church before, and the biggest increase is amongst those aged 18 to 34. Now, maybe that's got something to do with anonymity. You've got a little bit more space, things are a little bit more certain and you can explore and think and consider things like faith at your own pace without any pressure. Or perhaps it's got something to do with access. Those in younger age brackets are more used to technology and using it to access information, entertainment and the like. Or maybe if you're turning to a church for the first time, it's got something to do with you didn't know what to expect. I mean, I like to think our church is pretty relaxed and straightforward when we can meet together. But I'm used to the way we do stuff. And I might go to a church in another tradition and not know when I'm supposed to stand, sit, kneel, which part of the book I'm using and so on. And I'm not knocking any of that. Other people's worship will connect with others in ways that mine simply won't. Courses for courses. But it's a lot easier online. There's less chance of feeling you've got it wrong somehow or being embarrassed if 
you're in your own living room by yourself. And to be honest, actually, most of the time, most of us would neither notice nor care, but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll feel that. But there might be that sense of, do I fit in here? Do I belong here? And that's not even necessarily restricted to faith settings or worship services. In the book, Church for the Poor, Natalie Williams talks about coming to faith from a very working class background. The church family wanted her to feel welcome and would invite her to meals. But this was a new experience for Natalie. And there were some challenges, which in some ways were even more basic than the which knife and fork type questions. And they were stressful. Hosts would think they were being polite, inviting her to help herself first. But for Natalie, this was difficult. How much was it polite to take? And maybe to some extent, we have all been in that position of not knowing how we're supposed to behave in someone else's space. I don't really know who's tuning into this. Or why. So let me just say this. If you're someone who has been part of our church for a very long time, or you've been part of another church, or you've never been to church, I want to say welcome. I am glad that you are sharing this part of your journey with us. Today's reading was all about those ideas of belonging, of insiders and outsiders, and how that affects how we behave. Over the last few weeks, we've been spending time in a series called The Reborn Identity. We have been looking at how God views us or what the Bible has to say about who we are. We have thought about how God longs for us to be welcomed into intimate relationship with himself. That Jesus came that we might become God's children. And this morning's passage, like those we have considered over the past couple of weeks, was written by an early follower of Jesus called Paul to a church in Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. And as with last week, the wider background to all that was, largely due to the work of Paul, the church was evolving it, from an overwhelmingly Jewish sect to a much more diverse community altogether. But change has never come easy for people, and it didn't for them. Their first debate was whether to become a Christian, you had to first become a Jew and adopt a Jewish lifestyle. After all, Jesus himself had been a Jew. And even as they moved away from that, there was kind of a somehow who's more Christian type of thing going on. Now, the bits to that, like that, can feel quite distant and irrelevant to us. And you know what? That's true whether you've been a church regular for 60, 70 years, all your life like me, or whether this is the first time you've opened the Bible at all. But maybe it does have something to say to this moment. When people who perhaps have been distant from church for a long time or 
Maybe you've had some kind of sense of I'm spiritual but not religious. Or maybe even just never giving it much consideration. But in this season, you find yourself looking deeper. Maybe seeking solace in something. Seeking community, maybe. Perhaps even exploring what Jesus is all about. But it's a passage that declares however far and however near you've been to God thus far, God is still interested in you. God cares about you. God loves you and wants you to know him. God sent Jesus into the world so that you might become one of his children. It's sad, really, that down through the centuries, Paul has come to be co-opted by some quite exclusive Christian groups. He's become like a ventriloquist's dummy in the hands of people who wanted to bind us up into who's in, who's out, all kinds of exclusive ideas. But if he's allowed to speak for himself on his own terms, Paul is one of the most radically inclusive thinkers, not just in the church in his era, but the church in any era. And in fact, not just the church, but the world. His greatest contribution to the world was his understanding of how wide God's love and mercy goes. Last week when it came to God, if we saw that if anyone had the inside track, it was Paul. He knew his scriptures, he knew how to relate them to every area of his life. If anybody was going to be pleased with, if God was going to be pleased with anybody, it was him. But despite being the insider to end all insiders, Paul was the champion of welcoming the outsider. For Paul, it didn't matter where you came from, who you were, what you'd done. God's love was for you. You were part of why Jesus came. And last week's passage was a warning for those who thought they had some kind of inside track to God. He said, don't lean on your own goodness. Today is more encouraging. It, it focuses on the welcome God for ha had for those on the outside. But I admit, it doesn't start off too positively. Where we picked up, Paul starts, Remember how before you came to faith, you were separate from Christ, you were excluded from Israel, you were foreign to the covenants of the promise without hope without God in this world. You're thinking, Andrew, you said this guy was inclusive. He's already just telling them they didn't belong. And yes, it does seem quite negative, but really he was just stating a set of facts. Jesus was born to a particular people. Throughout the Old Testament, a small nation, Israel, had carried a promise that God loved the whole world, had a plan for the world and would send a saviour for the world. And that was the people to whom Jesus first came. And one of the big challenges the first Christians had as they sought to draw those from outside the Jewish community into relationship with their God was that Gentiles on the whole had absolutely no knowledge of that story. It's like 
every year, fourth Sunday of Advent, I go to light the four candles and I make a joke about the two Ronnies every year. And some will smile and titter because they get it. But if you've never seen the two Ronnies, it'll mean absolutely nothing to you. Paul was writing to a small bunch of early Christians in a great big city, Ephesus, and the majority of those who'd been believing in Jesus hadn't been Jewish prior to that. And what he said largely described what their life was like. They hadn't any real knowledge of the God of the Bible. Ideas like covenants and God's promises and messiahs, all the stuff that the Jewish people went on about, it meant nothing to them. They didn't have a concept of a God who was involved in the world, interested in the world, had a plan for the world. It wasn't their fault. It was just that was their world. So far as they'd been concerned, their gods had been kind of out there, remote. The idea of a God who loved the world, who longed to save the world, who had a plan for the world, even if there was anything beyond this life, it just didn't figure in their thinking. This was how their world always was and always had been, always would be. Now maybe if you're someone who's just started tuning into a church service out of interest in the last few weeks, maybe you're seeking solace, and perhaps the trials, challenges, fears of the last couple of months or of what lies ahead in the next couple of months have started you thinking or questioning a bit more deeply or differently. And maybe some of that might resonate with how you felt until quite recently. Church, faith, God... For some of you, it might have been part of your past. It doesn't really seem relevant now. Or it might never have been part of your life. And it all still seems a bit weird. You don't get the stuff we're talking about. Some of the terms I've used already mean nothing to you. And why should they? And you may not have maybe been against any of it as such, but you've always thought, well, if it works for them or whatever floats your boat, each to your own. But it hasn't really figured much in your thinking. And if that's where you are, I'm not knocking that. And that's what Paul was saying to this small group of Christians in Ephesus. But it didn't mean that God wasn't interested in them. Paul didn't leave it there. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That phrase near. It doesn't mean close in the sense that, you know, you might play a game where you've hidden something and somebody else is sort of looking for it. And as they get closer to it and closer to it, you say, getting warmer. No, it's about being drawn into relationship. It's a sense of being invited into relationship, being brought near. He's saying, you're in every bit as much as someone who grew up with this story. You're in every bit as much as the most super religious person you've ever met in your life. You're in. You're welcomed into the family. 
And just as I talked about last week, he said, it's not down to us. It's because of Jesus and what he's done. Five times in quick succession, Paul says more or less the same thing. Verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you've been brought near. Verse 15, God was creating in himself one people. Verse 18, through him, we all have access to the Father by one spirit. Verse 21, in him, the whole building is joined together. Verse 22, in him, you are being built together. Yeah, it's not down to your heritage, what we've achieved, what we knew when we first accepted Jesus. It's just if you're prepared to open yourself to the relationship with God that Jesus came to offer you. You're part of the family. As much as the saintliest person you can think of. There are no second class citizens in God's family. And the image Paul uses is one of permanence. Paul didn't worry too much about mixing his metaphors, it seems. He says, we're, we've become part of a building that God is putting together. A building that was here long before we were, and God willing, will be here long after we've gone. And shortly he was saying, however you might view yourself or others might view you, if you trust Jesus, God looks at you as a pillar of his establishment. And it's all true because of Jesus. You see, the cross of Jesus is the great leveller. In God's eyes, it doesn't matter whether you've been part of a church family your whole life or whether this whole thing is totally new to you. It doesn't matter whether you've been a super upright moral individual who everybody looks up to. Or you've been a dirty, rotten scoundrel since childhood. The road we take into God's family is the same. Through the cross. Through what Jesus has done for us. Through the cross, God extends the invitation to relationship to those who are far away and to those who are near. To those who had grown up with the gospel story and knew it inside out. To those who don't even know what I'm talking about when I say gospel. However our journey has led us to God and to the cross. When we come to Jesus, God plants the same spirit in each of us. Each of us has direct access to him. You know, sometimes because of who I am, the job I do, the title I have, people have asked me to help them with different things. And I'm quite amazed how often when I turn up with a little bit of plastic around my neck, or if I give the title reverend, I get quite a different response. And it sometimes gives me access to people others might struggle to contact. And and also sometimes because of who I am, the job I do, the title I have, people will ask me to pray for them. And I'm always happy to do so, particularly those who for whatever reason find they cannot do it for themselves. But you know what? I have no special access or hotline to God. Each of us is invited to approach him through the one spirit 
which he placed in all those who trust in it. And it doesn't matter whether you can pray with beautiful, poetic, theological language. Or to borrow the title of Anne Lamott's wonderful book. The only words you can muster are help, thanks, wow. God welcomes each of us just as we are. He wants each of us drawn into his all-inclusive family. But it comes with a challenge. I was reminded this week that faith is like spokes on a bicycle wheel. As they get closer and closer to the centre of the wheel, so the spokes get closer and closer to each other. And as we are drawn closer and closer to God, so we should be drawn closer and closer to each other. Jesus didn't just come to break the barrier down between us and God, but, but between us and each other. In Christ, God is creating one family of so many brothers from different mothers and sisters from different misters. And that's why I urge you, if you're one of those who is just starting out your exploration in the anonymity of the internet, when this is all over and it's possible to meet within a faith community, find one to connect with. And it's lovely to have you with us in this part of the journey. But I'm aware that the wonders of the internet mean that you can be anywhere in the world and connect with us. So I encourage you, when it's all over, find a church family nearby. Trust me, they won't be perfect. They never are. Don't expect it. And sometimes it'll be a bit weird. That's normal. But find somewhere that can help you to keep drawing closer to God and allow yourself to be drawn closer to others. For we're all welcome in God's all-inclusive family. Whether God's name was the first one on our lips or it's the first time we've used his name when it hasn't been a swear word. Whether we've always known the story, or whether we're just discovering it for the first time. And if you are someone who has been part of the faith community forever, welcome the new people. Because we all start somewhere. And we all come to God the same way. By the cross and the cross is the ultimate leveler because it says whoever you are whatever you're done you've done you're invited to come in welcome to the family grace and peace